Greetings! I am Ghost, and I am joined by Raven Insane, and we thought we would have a look, as it is May the 4th, at where we really began, I think, properly role-playing, and that was D6 Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, our memory's 30 years later, um, probably vast, are vastly different than the actual real life. Oh, our games were spectacularly good back then, I have no doubt. <laughs> Yes, I hear total sincerity in your voice. <laughs> These aren't the lies you're looking yes. for. Yes. <laughs> Again, it's a trap. So, D6 Star Wars is spectacularly good in a lot of ways. And, you know, like, I think the rules, while they might be a little bit more clunky by today's standards, the thing that stands out even today is the sheer amount of information that they added into what became star wars canon like a lot of the alien names like the ethorian he was hammerhead but that was the name that apparently was sort of given by the special effects mask teams they just put these basic names on them so they were easily found and recognized for when they had to do the the movies and that and that sort of stuck because there wasn't an actual name for the race. It was Star Wars D6 that started to name a lot of these different races and created uh, different things. Like the Z95 Headhunter Starfighter was one of the early designs for um, the X-Wing. Mm. And it, it didn't get used in the end. Yep. And we got what we, we know as the X-Wing. But D6 Star Wars took that concept art and now the Z95 you know, Headhunter is, is a canonized ship. I actually remember um, uh, flying that ship as my, you know, ship as part of the, the brash pilot, as my second character that I created for Star Wars, Fleur Z-95. I really liked the Z-95 because it gave the GM room to maneuver, meaning if I was letting you build a base, the Z-95 wasn't as good as an X-Wing. But you could start with Z95s and look for X-Wings or earn X-Wings or find X-Wings or, you know, it, you didn't just have to start with the best. I think, was it the first appearance? Because I'm just looking at Tatooine Manhunt and they've got a modified Z95 and in the back of it. Yes, I think that is correct. But I think what stood out for me, and this is looking back, although... You know, joking aside, our games probably were pretty terrible. I do think Star Wars D6, though, was the first time we really tried to move beyond what was just on the paper as a character and actually tried to play and care about story. I think you're right, but uh, yet it was taking us away from that... that um that whole mentality about we go here, we go there, we shoot those people or, you know, we stab them or, you know, whatnot, collect their loot. And, you know, it, it, for us, like, I, I remember, you know, some of the uh, times when we got caught up in the role-playing moment. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to talk about it because it's completely embarrassing, but... Um, Aaron, Aaron knows what I'm talking about. Um, um, yeah, um, I think, uh, you know, 
well, you know, coming even just I was looking back at the the second edition rulebook. I've also got the first edition rulebook there. Um, so the, the, there's really not that much difference. But you know, in essence, it was telling you know guiding even the GMs back then um, to be basically storytellers. You know, um, there wasn't there was less really focus on well, you know, there was action, but and that's why the I think the the D6 system worked really well because it was so quick. You weren't getting tied up into all the niggly little bits. You just rolled. You either succeeded or you didn't. You had, you know, the difficulty numbers that you had to to reach and then, you know, uh, causing damage after that, blah, blah, blah. And it was quick, done, dusted, uh, and allowed you to move on to, you know, the more important bits of the story. I remember character creation being very fast. That is because um, you go right through the book and you read all about the rules and attributes and skills and uh, the Gatrock Freighter and um, all about the Empire and the galaxy. And then you get right to the end and you have character templates. And that was essentially your starting character. I remember making a book, a hard-covered book of about 100 different character templates. What? Why? Because I tweaked them. Like they had Rebel Soldier or something, so I'd make Rebel Commando. Because at the time, too, I was starting to do that. We didn't yet have all the source books out. So, like, when Return of the Jedi came out, they did add... um, I think they added Rebel Commandos, like, in there, because we had them on Endor. But until then... They weren't there, so yep. I did variations of things. So because I remember some of the players were saying like, oh, I, I kind of like the Hoth guys." Yep. And it's, you know, it's, they, and the book sort of says, "Well, they're just rebel soldiers," and but they were sort of asking, "Yeah, but could there be a rebel soldier who had cold training, like snowtroopers?" Mm, mm, mm. So I would then tweak. Usually, because there was rules for creating templates, so yes. I was just creating templates. Yeah, they had, a, they had a character templates. sheet template at the back, and there was rules to create your own, um, yeah, your own offshoot, I guess. I guess I, um, I'm pretty sure I actually did that for the smuggler, which is how I ended I up. I think with, you did too. With such a, um, because I ended up developing a reputation for being a very good pilot. Um, yeah, there were 16 character classes that you could choose from. Probably the least liked was the kid. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The 12-year-old kid who everyone really... Oh, but, yep, that's... Ap- yep. Obviously, that's um, a worthy character choice. <laughs> I'd be interested to know if anyone did choose that. Um, and in actual fact, you know, in the RP sense now, uh, that would probably appeal to me more than... Um, you know, do it, playing the other uh, characters. I mean, you know, Foul Jedi would be cool. I mean, you got your cyborg pirate. Um, I don't think anyone took an alien force student. Um, you know, uh, a young Jedi, Wookiee, the Celestin, the Celestin trader. Um, but a kid. Uh, it, it just somehow you ended up in space. Tromping around with the rebellion or some smuggler with the heart of gold. It's a fun life and you couldn't ask for more. Fighting stormtroopers, saving people from the Empire, putting bounty hunters in their place. Right. Yes, because yep. one of the main nemesis that I had throughout um, my Star Wars adventures um, with my main character um, before he 
uh, sadly passed away on Cloud City, um, was Judo Cass. And, you know, coming back to that making things canon, there was an iconic figure that was um, made canon by the D6 games. Um, quite a terrifying photo of you following you around through every module. <laughs> Yeah, they did a good job with that because really they made they made several. There was an alternate Bosk, there was an alternate Zuckus, there was Jodo Cast instead of Boba Fett. Yep. Um, they even did a comic <laughs> where Jodo Cast dies because Boba Fett tracks him down and finally goes like, "Look, you," because Jodo Cast had been pretending to be Fett. That was what the issue was. Yeah. In the comic, Jodo Cast to get, get Jodo Cast to get. To yeah. get better money. Oh, maybe maybe ahead of me because I kept on calling him judo. Yeah, possibly. It was a personal affront. <laughs> you call me judo. Prepare to die. <laughs> I won't even take the bounty. I'm doing the galaxy a favor. <laughs> yeah. Reading the 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 uh, reading the uh, the galaxy of poor pronunciation now. I don't remember it having feats or anything. I think it was just you, you chose some sort of skill specializations and I think that was it. Yep. Based on... Um, there was skill specialization. Um, yep, but keep on going. Which do you prefer now? The D6 way or the Fantasy Flight Games version, which does sort of have uh, feats and abilities as well as just skills? So you can actually specialize in skills back in those days. Um, but I actually think like back then, I think this was quite a, like for its time was a really good system. Um, and it, and it just, you know, while clunky in itself was still, um, and I think, you know, that's what made it sort of effective was that that certain level of clunkiness that that sort of um, made everything uh, simplified. You know, you break down into tasks, you got easy, you know, moderately easy um, to moderate to, you know, all the way up to difficult. And depending on, you know, the number of dice you're rolling. Um, but then again, don't forget you had that one different colored dice that if you rolled a six uh, enabled you to re-roll uh, that dice again as well. Um, I don't know if you remember that. I do not. Um, was that second or first ed? It may be first ed. Let me grab my first ed book. Because I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. See, even now, I'm looking back at first ed. You know, when do you make a roll? So, whenever a character tries to do something important. So, it was focusing yeah, yeah. less on the, um, you know, if you had to run somewhere or do something, then it wasn't really... Well, you don't really need to roll for that because it's just considered a, an easy task. Um, until it right. becomes uh, challenging, then you roll. And then, what do you use? Um, die six equal to whatever the um, your skill or attribute is, and then you it actually uh, provides you difficulty numbers. So difficulty very easy task is five, uh, you know. And if you got a three dice plus two, you know, you got a pretty good chance of being able to um, definitely succeed at that task. Because the minimum you could roll is three. <laughs> um, 
Easy task is 10, moderate is 15, difficult is 20, very difficult is 30. So uh, obviously, you know, those very difficult tasks were few and far between. Um, and then it actually goes through and says, role play it out. Uh, in many cases, a skill can be used to resolve something which might be more fun if you role played it out, which is really good. Like that's really good encouragement to, to do that. Um, especially way back then. You know, this is 30 years ago, mind you. Yeah, they were definitely thinking about where they wanted it to go, which is which is good. I mean, there's still games sometimes today don't really talk much on the role-playing side. Yep. And I cannot see that in... Um, I can't... It doesn't say to roll a different colour dice. Um, so it must not be have been until second ed. And to be honest, we like I had even forgotten about that until I read about it. Yeah. Um, and it might not have been because we were coming off the back of uh, first ed, you know, because um, mm-hmm. that was the first book we came across. Second ed was more okay. The rules have been updated. Um, all there's more interesting stuff. Uh, better pictures, a few color pictures in there, which was really good to see. I mean, even the artwork was really good for back in that day. Uh, it, while it was still black and white, it was still good. Um, you got and it to- wasn't a sure thing. Like, when they released it, it was after Return of the Jedi. There was no movies. There was no TV series. I'm not even sure at that point there was even any of the, the new novels. Like, Air of the Empire was the first star- big Star Wars thing in a while that got released which suddenly showed there was interest in Star Wars. I mean, today, that seems weird to think about, but back then, there wasn't a lot of Star Wars. So for them to suddenly invest in, uh, you know, like doing the game in the way they did, that wasn't a surefire win. Well, second printing came out in 93. Uh, first ad was out in 87. Um and it is really amazing how much content they actually produced for the game. Yes. Um, it literally blows me away. Um, like, so for, uh, um, I'm getting ready to move, as you know. I'm packing up all my books. And uh, the wife came in and said, what are all those? <laughs> it's like, they're all... Um, role-playing books. Oh, okay. So there's got to be a lot of games in there. No, that's just one game. <laughs> it's just like, what? <laughs> How can that be one game? <laughs> it's insane the amount of content that they, they produced for Star Wars. Um, I remember the Galaxy Guides being really good. I enjoyed reading them a lot. Yeah. And I initially, I remember initially they were on the movies. Like you get the New Hope one and they'd have all the characters and some, some places and that. But they expanded the Galaxy Guides from just the movies and that, didn't they? They started doing places and... Um, they went all the way. They did A New Hope, okay? They did um, Yavin and Bespin. Uh, they did The Empire Strikes Back. They did Return of the Jedi, Tramp Freighters. They actually won, you know, completely Tramp Freighter-oriented, which is really cool. Moss Eisley, because Moss Eisley was, you know, the place to be. That was... You know, it's such an iconic place. I, I don't think you could mention Star Wars and not even um, know about Mos Eisley. 
Um, we had scouts, fragments of the rim, bounty hunters, criminal organizations. Um, and then, you know, later on they started getting into, you know, as the, uh, I think it was the Phantom Menace when that came out, they started releasing content for that as well. Oh, they still had, they were still going by the, by Phantom Menace. Yeah, they went after that. Um, Phantom Menace, Dark Side, Attack of the Clones, um, The Old Republic. Uh, hang on, no. I don't think they're West End Games from Galaxy Guide 14 onwards. Because they got themselves into trouble financially. Yeah, there's Galaxy Guide 14 here, but um, it's definitely got that feel. Um, but I know, I know that um, people were creating fan-made stuff. Um, yeah, because there's screenshots of, um, you know, Padme and all that. And quite possibly, it's probably fan-made, in all honesty. Because mm. I don't think... There's no WEG numbers associated with them. The last one that has a WEG number is The Phantom Menace, Galaxy Guide 13. That's still a lot they did then, 13 of them. Yeah, um, that I can tell. They brought out a lot of content and, you know, it wasn't only the Galaxy Guides as well. Um, they had a, a lot of adventure supplements. Um, something like... And Shantypole made it into... Um... Strikeforce Shantypole? Really? Yep. Yeah, that's in um, Clone oh. Wars. Oh, yes. That's one of the, very, that's one of the first... Um... Um, yeah, they, they adventure um, supplements. The clone, the Clone Wars, or was it Rebels? Rebels might have been Rebels. They had the B wing, yeah, be Rebels. So they mm. had the B wing episode, and during that, they call it Shanty Pole, a direct uh, throwback to the West End Games adventure. Yeah, so there's like um, over twenty modules. You know, the only, the only thing that really comes close to this is probably uh, in, with regards to content is um, that other game that's very popular. <laughs> yes. The game that shall not be named. <laughs> um, but they did they did support it. And in a way, they've supported it more than FFG. FFG has done, uh, you know, they've done some really nice source books, but they haven't done a lot of adventures, not like West End did. Mm-hmm. But in saying that, um, uh, the new rules are uh, i can't express how much i like the new rules um to the point i wish like most games use these rules <laughs> hence our shadow run uses them hence why shadow runs using them yes <laughs> yep um so what about it then between the d6 system to the ffg system genesis What's the difference that makes you like the new one over? I, I think, well, not just the old, but like in in general. Well, we essentially, you know, it's almost very similar in a way. Um, but what makes it different is that when you fail before, you just fail. That's it's just um, you fail. Um, if you have a certain task, you've got to reach that limit. But if you don't reach that limit. Um, you know, you have to roll a 15 and you, you roll a 14, you fail. Whether you roll a 14 or 13 or 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, you know, it was all the same. It was just a fail. Um, I, th I think, you know, there was a point 
um, you know, when I, you know, as you know, um, when my character got to uh, doing Crisis in Cloud City and, and, you know, my roles, I'd never seen so many ones. And and then, uh, you know, running across, you know, this, um, what, uh, two foot wide beam or something, uh, if it was that, and slipping, uh, you know, because I was under fire. And then you know the, the the potential for me to fall to my death because i failed that role and you gave me another chance okay so we'll make this a you know a relatively easy task but then i rolled nearly all ones again and essentially you know the dice had spoken that was it uh, my character had plummeted and is now a uh <laughs> small bit of carbon in the middle of bespin <laughs> so i i can't believe how bad you rolled. Yeah, um, but that's the luck of the dice, isn't it? Um, but like with um, the like the new Genesis system, um, you know, you have successes, uh, you have advantages, you have uh, threats and uh, failures or disadvantages. But you can also roll triumphs and uh, despairs. So mm. there's that. Uh, that extra uh, element that allows you to be able to roleplay something so you could succeed, but then you'll have some threats. And it makes you think, well, how how can I work this so that my character succeeds, but something hasn't exactly gone, uh, you know, to plan in the in the process. So it, it does sort of, you know, when, when, when we first encountered that, especially for me, the first time I played it, I was like... Holy heck! I have no no idea what to do with this because we're not used to thinking. Well, not every success is going to be a resounding success. It could be just right. that you've only just managed to get it done. I mean, you know, we watch movies like you know the Three Musketeers and and things like that, and and not all their combat sequences are to plan. Um, they utilize uh, you know implements and um, they you know f- fall over and you know all sh- sorts of shenanigans occur so to me it's it's exactly like that um that's mm-hmm. like now if you go okay i'm going to hack hack the imperial you know computer oh i've got um su- success and um advantage and it's like what's wrong and it's like well, i was kind of hoping to have some disadvantages <laughs> Yes. Well, we have one player who it's always, yeah, always wishes he had um, some level of disadvantage to, yeah, exactly. to his roles. Um, but yeah, uh, but even then, you know, you could fail, but you have some advantages. So that really yeah. makes you think, you know, oh, well, I didn't manage to get it through the door, but, um, uh, you know, you know, trying to pick a lock to get in through the door. Well, you didn't actually succeed. So uh, you might have had three failures and but two advantages. And you go, well, uh, you know, one of the advantages is that uh, no one could tell that, you know, I attempted to pick the lock you know, because, you know, you can obviously damage a lock when you attempt to pick it. And the other advantage is I didn't break my uh, locks, pick locks in the process. So, yeah. Um, whereas you could use those failures to say, uh, well, you know, um, I may have broken something in the pro- process. So you're taking those advantages and actually using them, uh, you know, in, in some way, I guess. 
The only thing I don't like a lot in the new system is their reliance sometimes on the abilities. I think the abilities sometimes are the only gamey part of a very narrative system, like your bodyguard ability that you had. Yeah, and but I still think I was re- role-playing that wrong too after reading it. Um, uh, you know, I, you know, my character was supposed to suffer the amount of strain equal to, and it was supposed to reduce the... Um, someone's ability to hit that person. Mm. When I went back and had a look at it... Um, Not, you were always being a meat shield. So I was always being a meat shield, which I thought was quite bizarre for an officer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he doing this? <laughs> it's like, I'm protecting you. You're my privates. <laughs> it was always on big rolls for me too. So it's like, I will save you. Oh, how much damage are you doing? Yep. <laughs> It's like Chinway's out again. <laughs> uh, yep. So uh, for all those who are not familiar with Jinwei, um, he will be a character that will appear in a uh, new Star Wars campaign, um, hopefully coming soon. Yes. Working on it now. Mm. I'm working on minis for it. I'm working on the book for it. There's lots of work. So that will be Age of Rebellion. And we also have an Edge of the Empire one coming. And that will be by Louis, who has not GM'd on the channel before. He has GM'd a lot before, but he hasn't GM'd on our channel before. So this will be a, a quite a solid year for Star Wars here, I think. Yeah. I actually wouldn't mind, actually, you know, playing the old D6 again. Um Oh, you know, because I'm so, I'm torn between, uh, you know, we were talking about loyalty before, and you know, West End Games, you know, had had something good back in the day. Um, there's a lot of content there, uh, but I'm sort of torn because I, I've fallen in love with the, the Genesis system. So yeah, um, I, I mean, if West End was still around, I'd feel differently. But I mean, they are unfortunately um, long defunct, and. I, I don't. While I am very much in 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 love with Genesis as a system, it's probably my favourite system ever. And while I don't love D six as much as I used to, the trick though is look looking at it, you know, like fairly. And when you do so, and you go, well, that was a system that was thirty years old. It was groundbreaking for its day. I think there was a lot in there that was breaking the mould from how other systems were doing things. So while I, I might necessarily, I'm more I'm more likely wanting to adapt the good stuff into FFG when there's stuff that FFG hasn't done from the Star Wars universe, whereas West End did. No, not as many as D6, but I've got 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 22, 24, 25, 24. And there's about 30, 30 books. So they've got, a fair, they've got a fair bit. I don't think they covered quite as much as West End did. Step into the Star Wars, Age of Rebellion, Edge of the Empire, Force Destiny, Force Awakens. I'm not really a fan of... That uh, one's a starter set. I guess. Well, that's a beginning game. That's all they got. Um, yeah. What else do they have? Hang on. Bunch of source books for each one. It's even better to have <laughs> um, adventures. Yes. Now, that's, that's the one area... 
they haven't done tons on. The source books and class books are really good, but they haven't done as many adventures as I would like. I, gu- that, I guess, where- yeah, I guess that's probably where, you know, um, uh, we've got Edge of the Empire and Age of the Rebellion because that's what our interest is. I mean, out Rim, I would definitely do, yeah, I feel like there's, uh, you know, when comparing to FF, uh, when comparing to West End Games, you know, the content. <laughs> um, so how long have um, Fantasy Flight had Star Wars? Oh, a while now, but I mean, I, I'd like to say maybe like eight years, but that might be. I think I think they're almost, you know, it, there's such a big interest in Mandalorian and the Star Wars um, era now. And I think, you know, this is only my personal view. I think they're, they're sort of, they're not on the bandwagon. So, uh, you know, why are they not producing content? I think it would sell. Um, and I, th- maybe their source books just aren't selling enough. I don't know. Um, and they might be basing decisions on that, but. Well, the problem I think is fantasy flight is a big company and I'm amazed that they actually produced star Wars as good as they did. Like, I really am surprised. The, and I think that, though, is the problem as well, is it almost feels like they produced a good game despite themselves. While it's all good, which is great, they also have been very slow on certain areas, and I think other companies might have been faster to do certain things. Like, they took a long time... Now, they have come out now, but it took them a long time to do a Clone Wars sourcebook. They didn't do anything really for Knights of the Old Republic sort of era. And we haven't got anything for Mandalorian. Now, the company did split all its role-playing to Edge Studios, which is a dedicated company still attached to them that is going to do RPG stuff. When they did a big talk with the head guy from Edge, Star Wars came up. The answer was very non-committal. So we don't know if they were just in a position where they couldn't say anything yet or if Star Wars RPG was going to um, maybe not, 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 not be continued. Yeah, there's, there's, and there's not been a new book for a while. Now, Edge is still setting up. Edge is not finished. It's not ready to release stuff yet. So they could just be getting everything sorted and then they'll say look we're doing this we're doing this we're doing this there's some new stuff there was talk of possibly adventures becoming released as pdf i like having books yeah but i I think uh yeah and i'm I'm probably following you here you know in the interest of having content you know if it's pdf fair enough but um i think most role players would prefer to have uh, any, you know, anyone who's a, a core role player, um, there's nothing like... You don't want to read Lord of the Rings, you know, on a PDF. Um, you know, if you're going to read Lord of the Rings. I mean, I never got through... I, I don't think I got past page 10. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, picking up a ring, I, I guess one of my favourite book, um, you know, was Magician by Ramony Feist. 
um, you know, I, I love Margaret Reese and Tracy Hickam, uh, but I, I literally, I would not read them as PDFs. I just, I can't, uh, I guess I'm not digital literate that way. Um, I guess, you know, kids are growing up with, you know, they're being born with iPads in their hands, basically. Um, so, uh, I'd hate to see a move away from uh, hardbound copies. Um, I think in fairness, they probably need to do both. Like one thing about Mephidius with Trek that I, I sort of think is actually probably the, the best way to do it. They have released two hardcover adventures, which are really good. And they've released some free adventures and they've released some paid PDF adventures. And I overall, I can't really complain. While I would like to have seen another hardcover volume sooner, having said that, they've supported the game. The adventures are, are, are well thought out. They're well put together. And they haven't ignored the hardcover side. It's just, I guess sometimes they're like, this is probably not worth the cost to produce it in a book form, but it's good to release. And so... If it came to that, if we could get both, I'd be okay with that. I do prefer books always. I like books. I love books. I collect books. But if at the end of the day, it's like, well, it's not... I don't know what their adventure sales was like. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe the, the there's, there's a market for it, but not as much as the other well, books. So. You know, even looking at the other things like Legend of the Five Rings, um, compared to... previous generation of l5r there's um not that many there but there's still a fair number of books out there oh i wouldn't say a fair there's, number but a, there there's wasn't a ton a of source amount. books yeah tons but not adventures the adventure system the adventure system they had a system they actually had a system b was for prosciutto so it was going to cover stories that de de dealt with you as a samurai having to do with the code. There was going to be I for intrigue, A, a for action, I think, and then the uh, city the, the Scorpions owned. Um, so they were going to be broken into them. And the idea was you'd know what you were getting. So, But there was only ever one I. There was a couple of pseudo ones, but there was only ever one for the intrigue, and that was it. So that system never went anywhere. So there was a lot of books. I'm not saying the game failed. I'm just saying that their adventure system failed. So I don't know if that was because people didn't buy them or they didn't have enough writers for adventures or they just didn't get it done right or something. But yeah, the, the adventure side didn't, didn't do yep. very well. Yeah, I, I guess I don't play enough. I'm not exposed enough to, you know, um, enough role-playing games to even... Um, you know, be able to comment on that. It just seems like uh, FFG do have a lot of core books, but no adventure books. Real. Yeah, uh, they have. They have three, three for Edge, three for Age, two for Force mm. and Destiny, I think, and that was it. And there's no PDF adventures either. That was it. That's all we had. So, um, so I'm hoping that Edge Studios is going to produce stuff. Though I'm hoping that that's coming. Because their focus is Genesis. So we are getting Genesis. Um, 
we are we are going to get that. There is going to be more Genesis content. Um, Interesting how many Edge mm -hmm. Studios there are in the but world. But they have got Star Wars on there. Experience the power of the Force, ply your trade as a smuggler in the Outer Rim, or take on the Galactic Empire in the Star Wars galaxy. Whether you choose the light side or dark, the Rebellion or the Empire, or something in between, a powerful destiny awaits you. So they do now have the Star Wars RP on, that, on their site. They have on their studio site, yeah. They do have Legends of the Five Rings. Um, they are saying they're releasing more for Genesis itself. We are getting Zombicide, an end-of-the-world role-playing game. Cool. That's probably something I'd be interested in. I mean, I'll, I'll <laughs> sort of deviating here, yes, probably my which also has favorite a new game back then There's was a game Twilight we should talk about too. Not yeah. tonight, just to make it manageable. But yeah, we should do a Twilight 2000 yeah. discussion because um, Free League is about to release it. Yep, so I remember playing the first Ed edition of that and the second edition. So, um, <laughs> And at 16, we were so tactical. And I could tell you the rate of fire of an M60 machine gun and the ballistics... Um, data on the 7.62 millimeter NATO round that it used. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah, like God. that's changed. I used to be <laughs> such a nerd. Yeah, oh, what do I mean? Used to be uh, like that's changed a lot. Yeah, I'm just exactly. A, I'm just a uh, an academic nerd now. <laughs> uh. Now they their mini game is quite good, Legion, and you can incorporate the two. You don't not the rules, but I mean the miniatures are really good. So, yeah, Star Wars Legion. Okay, I am a, a big fan mm. of the uh, of the Legion minis. Um, and one of the big reasons I love them, uh, they're not too expensive, and I've just put the Snowtroopers together today for May Fourth. Every single one of them is different. And that's, mm. yeah, yeah. And it's like that in every... Oh, that's pretty cool. I wonder, are they like 3D, 3D printed that way or... No, no, they're, they're made that way, but they're not 3D printed. Like they're, um, they're, they're yeah, they're, they're still molded. The, the original ones were... I'm just, I'm just thinking they, they could have realistically used a 3D printer to create the original mold and then cast it from that. Oh, and maybe. And then just modif maybe. modified it slightly. I'd... Dare say that would be logically the easiest way to do it. Um, which I mean, in, in in essence, if you've got the technology, why not use it? Um, it not only creates uh, unique um, uh, unique characters on your scene; uh, they're not all this generic, you know, one type. Which is some, something I've always sort of, you know, um, not liked about miniature play. So I've got twenty orcs, you know. Oh well, yes, they're all standing in the same exact. Uh, yep. You know, uh, battle stance. So they come with, these ones come with different weapons um, and different. everyone's a different pose. And mm. single characters, I just put uh, Padme together yesterday. She's one of the newer figures and she comes on a sprue now, like a model kit. And she had 
two weapon options and a cape or no cape option. Oh, yeah. And all the new ones that are coming, all the new single figures, are having those sort of options. Cad Bane had two options with uh, hat, no hat, and um, two poses. Uh, it's, I think that's. I think it's really good. It, it makes it interesting and lets you be a bit individual with your with your stuff. Yep. And they do incorporate quite well into the game, so yeah, I do. I do like that. That's doing well. Yes, your die rolling has not really improved so, much over these years. I guess, I guess that's probably one of the the things that um, is sort of really annoying about any sort of role playing game. I know, like we did Aberon um, a couple of months ago, and. In fairness, you know, it was exciting up until we got into the combat. And it really does suck when the GM rolls good and you roll like crap. Um, at least with um, the Genesis system, even if you do roll crap, there's still narrative there. And th- there's still that story. So it's really... <laughs> I mean, that's For me, that's what makes Genesis so much better than... Um, the traditional style of role play, um, and, and because you know, you know, as you know, we 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 are heavily narrative based, so uh, we develop into personal, you know, uh, relationships with each, you know, the, with the characters and and even the NPCs, and you know, part of that includes all those failed roles. <laughs> yeah, it's been funny how we've sort of shifted into that narrative, um, that narrative format, sort of almost naturally. I wouldn't say it was natural. For me, it was at the start pretty hard. Oh yeah. Um, oh, I, well, not I guess having it, role played yeah. for twenty five years. I guess that's where I was ahead of you there because I have been role playing for the last ten years, and I worked out what I really didn't like and worked out what I really did like. So I guess for yeah. me, that that transition was sort of already happening. Oh, I still know what I like and don't like, but it's. For me, because you knew everyone, I didn't know anyone. Um, so you're all um, n- new people, uh, you know, and that was quite. I was al- almost, um, uh, you know, if, uh, it's that so it's that social anxiety, um, you know. Um, but I had not even seen the faces of the people I was role playing with. And, you know, you're talking to me about role-playing with them, you know, pre-COVID, you know, at tabletops, uh, you know, tabletop games. And I'm like, I'm role-playing with these people and I have no freaking idea who they are. <laughs> so every game is like... Um, but then, you know, I guess it didn't really help with my character being who he was either, <laughs> causing so much trouble. Um <laughs> And so many awkward situations. <laughs> uh, I guess I only have myself to blame for that. Uh, but, you know, when we first, you know, turned the cams on for the first time, it was like, oh, holy crap. Okay, so this is who we're playing with. <laughs> real people. <laughs> You're all real. <laughs> I mean, it, it was funny when you're looking at it going, God, that guy needs some help. Oh, no, that's my cam. <laughs> <laughs> that's my character. <laughs> it's, 
god. I don't know if I could actually recreate that line either. Uh, the line that really set off everyone. <laughs> the joy of returning uh, to this is you get to not do that. Yeah. Well, as you know, I've remodeled that character. <sighs> oh, that's the, but that's the fun of role play, isn't it? Yep. Yep. I, I it. I mean, that's why it's such a unique sort of medium. It's a story, so there's framework, but it's improv. Mm. That, that, that there's a lot of. It's not easy. It's not an easy medium to do well, but it's very rewarding. I think when you try. Well, you're torn, you know, between complexity and simplicity too. So you don't want to, you know, the last thing I want to do is sit down for three hours in one combat sequence. To me, though, there could be nothing more boring than that. Um, you know, action should be fast paced. You would not want that in a movie. You know, imagine watching, um, you know, a five minute scene over the whole two hours. That is, you couldn't do it. It just, it doesn't make sense. Um, and uh, to me, that just smacks of um, uh, more, you know, tabletop uh, miniature based, you know, high meta sort of stuff that really we're not interested in as a group. Um, we're more interested in that, um, as we said, the narrative. Um, and that character development. I don't, I don't think, you know... Um, a combat system which you know ties you down for two hours or three hours draws you away from character building the you know who cares about the xp for us it's not about the xp for us it's not about the reward system for us it's about the experience of uh, playing a character that's i guess different to us and that's the whole nature of role playing and once you move beyond that into the realm of you're not acting you're not you know you don't have dialogue you're just i'm going here um you know i'm going there and you're missing out on half the story um you know or you might cast a spell which uh, essentially destroys uh you know the plot of the whole adventure you, you're not you're not role playing anymore you're just playing a game and there's no role playing in it so um and hence why the genesis system's so good because uh even while there's still rules there, it encourages you to think about how you are going to react to a certain situation. And every situation is going to be different. Yeah, it's pulling you in right from the start. It's it's encouraging that role play in the very rules and the dice. I do think it was pure genius adding the advantage-disadvantage. I think so too. I think... I think going beyond the successes and the failures um, and adding that little... Uh, and I'd love to have been in the meeting room, you know, for that, for that when they decided that. I mean, that would have been a... Everyone would have went, yes! You know, um, I could just picture people, you know, uh, you, know, uh, you know, smashing around ideas, bumping ideas off each other. You know, and they would have been saying, well, the old D6 system, you know, it's just like... Um, roll success um, or you fail um well okay well what's the next step well let's have some successes how many successes depends on how well you do it how 
many fails depends on how bad you do it okay uh but what if what if you had a success but in the process you accidentally you know uh you know which happens in movies uh you drop your gun but then you uh, suddenly realize in front of you there's another gun in front of you pick that up and you know shoot so they would they were like okay so we need success but something bad has happened so how do we do that well create a threat <laughs> and then things can go really good triumph which are very rare uh usually triumphs happen on uh opening a door um never never in life-saving situations when you really need the triumph <laughs> um no the fences always come you know get us unstuck i think um cypher got caught on a fence um cypher does not like fences bloody things just keep getting in the way don't they (laughs) who put a fence there (laughs) yeah but that you know that that moment when terence and cypher were trying to escape i think it was like in the second or third episode of shadow run and um she's uh, what did she do? She set off, uh, set the power to go off at a certain point. They weren't even out of the um, yeah. the facility yet when the power went off. <laughs> and Terrence is like, "What the hell is going on?" <laughs> uh, and then yeah. Cypher's trying to not get in trouble, but explain how it was her. But don't be mad. Yeah. But even like. Uh, you know, the way that we were sneaking around and we ended up completely separated in that facility. Uh, and that was not only a result of our role-playing, but, you know, of uh, the dice that was rolled that night too. So, because um, we had, we might have had success with, say, a disadvantage. So, uh, we ended up uh, maintaining our... Uh, our secrecy, you know, being hidden, uh, but we ended up completely separated because um, things might have worked out, but they weren't uh, completely not in the right direction that we were thinking that they should have gone. So, which is why I think the, the Genesis system sort of promotes that too. And how how do you think that it works so well specifically for star wars because that's where it started now it's a base system that can be used for multiple things but it started for the star wars system so how do you think it aids star wars specifically i think star wars is that classic space opera you know style that we're um, talking about um you know star wars has that and it's this word that I can never pronounce properly. Melomadramatic, mellow, melodramatic. You know, it's that melodramatic um, adventure. You know, and you have that chivalry. You know, chivalric romance and that risk taking, and it's sort of, I guess, you know, if you think of like. Um, Rogue One. Uh, I mean, I, th- I think the classic example would be like, uh, you know, Han Solo. <clears throat> um, you know, things always seem to not go right. 
even when they were. Um, uh, it, there's just so many situations where you could think, um, you know, in, in especially in the movies where you could say, well, you know, they probably rolled a few successes but had some disadvantages or they might have had some, dis- you know, um, no, uh, threats. But they, in that situation, they rolled, um, you know, a threat with some advantages. So um, I think it, it's good in that sense that um, it encourages that sort of similar feeling about the game um, that you can, uh, I, I guess, you know, coming from us, you know, the old classics, uh, Star Wars you know, 4, 5, and 6. Uh what do you think yeah i mean i've tried to i think it works very well for han solo like very much so because of his um his his success and failure sort of sort of thing it does seem to depend i think a bit on the individual player because obviously some players like things to be a bit more comedic Yes, and, uh, you know, we've already, I guess, uh, I wouldn't say suffered suffered through this, but, I mean, uh, we've seen the two levels of play um, that you can have from um, this this system too, so. So, if they treat it like that, I'm not sure it always helps. But um, I do think, though, overall, the system works brilliantly i do think it works brilliantly and it certainly can be used in ways um can be very flexible like if you're doing an an attack in an x-wing you can actually like raise the difficulty add a difficulty to it make it more complex Rather than saying, okay, I'm going to roll to hit, you could say to do this strafing run in your X-Wing, there's X amount of, you know, like um, stuff firing at you. So add a red or a red and a black. So I think there's a lot of versatility that can come out of it. And then, like you said, oh, you've got hit. So you've succeeded in your attack, but, you know, there's there's two disadvantages. What's the disadvantage? And then, then it's also up to the player. I think it's a really good thing to pass it to the player to come up with both successes and failures i think they can come up with some really interesting combinations that way rather than the old way of doing it was always the gm gm tells you what happens gm tells you the outcome of the attack genesis was it really doesn't it really goes to the player it's very it's very player driven it is. Um, it relies on the player having to think, um, and that's probably uh, you know the. I guess um, that's probably yeah, a point that I missed before, really, um, and I, I hadn't really thought about it. Um, you know, if you listen to Shadowrun, you know, the GM being yourself, uh, you know, there's been times where you've not had to engage nearly for the whole <laughs> for the whole game <laughs> because it's the players that are just. Um, RPing, and there's a trust there too. Like it's not just been because you've been engaging as the players in character. There's also been times when you've made roles, and you've sorted out the outcome of those roles, how everything worked, and moved on without me having to to jump in. And yeah. I don't, I don't mind doing that. Like obviously, there's a trust thing that's there because if I didn't 
trust you. Because that's the thing. If you give the the only the only downside, I think there's only one downside of giving players far more access, and that is if they abuse it. That's for me the only. Well, that's where the GM has to come in and go. Right. Well, hang on, guys. Not nah, seriously. Come on, pull back. Yeah, exactly. No, the you don't you didn't find the secret plans to this yeah. in in the this realistic people. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. Right. That's yeah. exactly the only time, though. I think that it could be bad could be if if players sort of start to abuse that sort of like oh he's letting us you know oh what's the disadvantage well you might you might find that too players will probably maybe test and test and test and to to, to just to find that limit too yes although again we have a group that goes the opposite direction and i've found that when i've had an idea for a disadvantage the players have gone further (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well why not <laughs> a couple of times i thought oh, i'll give him a couple of strain you know because that's what it's also there for i can give strain if if i feel it warrants it yeah while, while i'm sitting there thinking uh you know i'll give him a couple of strain the players have said the power goes off the lift the lift doesn't come to this floor the, the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay okay that's far more worse than, um, one of the first Star Wars uh-huh. games uh, I did with Louie a few years ago they'd stolen a transport from a hut a spice transport and so they found it had a tracking device on it and so they went we've got to deal with this Actually, this can be a plus or a minus depending on um, the GM. Mm. So they went, oh, my God, there's a tracking device. We've got to get rid of that. So what they did was Louis, he had a Gungan mechanic, and he got success with three disadvantages. So I was about to say, you know, you've touched a couple of power cables inside and get zapped. Yep. Here's some strain. And I was just mm-hmm. about, those words were just about to escape my lips. And he said, I have good news and bad news. <laughs> I can't and, imagine this. And the party's like, what? And of course he said, I got gooder, I got gooder news, and I got a badder news. That's because that's how Yeah, it was. Because oh, Jar Jar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gungan. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Right. So, you know. Everyone wanted to hit him because he was playing the Gungan. So he said it like that. There's a good news and a bad yeah. news. I have big... This could be big bombad. So everyone's big there. <laughs> and they're like, what? And he's like, you know, here it is. He held it up. Here is the tracking mm-hmm. device. I took it out. And they're like, so what's the problem? I turned it on. <laughs> it went from It went from three strain to... The bigger bad bomb bad boss knows where we are. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I had to turn it on. <laughs> I imagine that. So where this this goes, good or bad for the GM, is is depending on how they see this. Mm-hmm. The party panicked. All except Louis, whose Gungan was like meh, meh. Yep. And. They went, we've got to deal with this. So instead of doing the adventure that was written and prepared, their their solution was we need to find someone who can reprogram our ship's, like, um, info. Yeah. So 
they had to go and find someone and do a deal with them. They didn't have enough money, so they agreed to do some transport runs for them. So then they went, we need to go and find a ship the same class as ours. So they went to like a space wreck, like a car wreckers for ships, and found one, and then paid them to take the um, ident system out of that one. And put and put the, it into the, yeah. and put theirs in there. Reinstall the tracking device. Go back to the first guys. Get them to to change the data. Put and then put the one they've taken from yep. the, the derelict ship into their ship. This became a whole afternoon session. Yeah. So you ended up with a side side adventure basically because of one fail. Oh, not even a failed roll. Just um, some disadvantage. <laughs> yeah. Some threat. It was three, a success three roll. Threats. It was a it success. Was su- they succeeded, but with three threats. So, essentially, yeah. So, imagine that would not have happened without that role. Hence, uh, you know, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? I think it's good because it you're not constrained by, you know, the limits of, well, this is what we're supposed to be doing in the story. We're going to go here and we're going to go there and we're going to go, you know, things can happen, but shenanigans can also happen too. And if you've got a serious campaign... You're going to have to have the characters think at a serious level, I think, you know, especially if you, you know, if you're playing like the Mandalorian. Yep. Oh, you know, even in that. So you could actually have that, you know, eventuation come, uh, you know, turn up in the Mandalorian. So uh, because there's always that little in every Star Wars game, there's always that, you know, that that sort of comical aspect at some point. And I think the Um, first time I properly laughed in Mandalorian was when he went to try to track down the mark just before he found baby Yoda and he's in the encampment of the the bad guys and I actually oh, yeah. and I actually was looking at this and I went oh you know what this could have been success with uh, disadvantage because he was mm-hmm. up against the wall or the pillar and the reinforcements arrived which could have been the disadvantage and he jumps out to take them on and it's an e-web and he just stands there looking at it and he goes, Okay. That's the first time <laughs> that's the first time I remember laughing, like, okay, I thought that was funny. And yeah. so yeah, even though it's a serious show, there, there was there was moments and there ended up being a few moments as they went along that was quite funny in Mandalorian. But yeah, I remember that yeah. one, just how, how he was serious, but it was like, Okay. <laughs> and I thought yes. yeah. <laughs> and, and I was thinking yeah. though, in the game terms, I'm like, you know what, that could have come out of disadvantage. What's your disadvantage? Mm-hmm. The reinforcements. They have an yeah. e web. They and, have <laughs> and that would be a player one too, right? Because the GM would go, okay, yeah, there's some, there's some reinforcement, there's some pirates. Okay, there's more pirates and they're arriving. It's an e-web. And, oh, it's an e-web. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there's an angry Jawa with a missile launcher. <laughs> See, that? that's probably getting a little bit ridiculous. But, I mean, in that same boat too, when the Jawa stole his ship. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And he's climbing up the side. I'm, I'm, <laughs> for me, that was hilarious. And it was. They're throwing everything at him. And they're throwing things at him and stuff like that. But for, I, I guess, you know, coming from him, you know, he was deadly serious. You yes. Know, you know, screw these Jawas. I'm going to, you know, kill every last one of them. And then he gets zapped. <laughs> There's nothing more funny than seeing that. But. There's like 15 of them with their ion guns. <laughs> <laughs> when he gets up to the top it's like what did you think was going to happen <laughs> I've succeeded I've climbed to the top yes but there's 15 Jawas all with 
<laughs> ion guns. <laughs> and I, th- I think that that's why that series works. It reminded me a bit of a role-playing game. Um, when he met Bo-Katan in the second one, there's a couple of bits that made me laugh when they were stealing the ship uh, from the Imperials because the three Mandos are destroying the Imperials. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there's a couple of scenes where it's like they come in and it's just like wipes them wipes them out and they've gone through the next door and he comes in mm-hmm. right behind them and he's standing looking around. <laughs> it's all it's all over and he looks a little bit like he's out of his element. And I'm like, uh-huh. and I thought that, that was kind of cool. He's really capable, but at the same time, he's come up he's with- He's not the best. Right. He's found that Bo-Katan and this other group are like- a, a level above where he's at and it, there was that mm. moment where he's looking around going like what am i doing this is i'm, I'm not good enough but this yep. the way he looked you can't see the facial expression but just the, the body language was like what well, it's over yep that'd be that'd be like a failure with um some threat <laughs> just, you, you get in there you go to go to start shooting it and it's already over <laughs> so much so it's like being three minutes no <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah, 30 seconds or whatever it was. But, yeah, poor Mando. So, moving towards our resurrection campaign, Mm. is there anything from D6 that you would like to see in FFG? Is there anything in D6? Uh Uh-huh. I know, you're like, when we were going to do this, you didn't say you're going to ask these really annoying questions. You know, would it be so hard to reproduce some of these, um, especially the adventures? Um, uh, I, I guess, you know, the, the adventures back in those days, I think uh, some of them were written well, others probably not so well. There was information all over the place. Um, they could have been certainly written a lot better. I do remember um, wanting Graveyard of- West End. I love the idea of Graveyard of Alderaan. Hated it as a adventure. Hmm. Well, you know, you need to rethink that for you know today. I think, um, I think, I think we could actually rewrite them um, to be a lot more interesting. Um, they were a good start, but yeah, as you know, I I ran an, an adventure recently, and it was uh, I think it was out of one of the adventure journals from West End Games from back in the day. And the amount of times I had to go in and look at the book at different sections, you know, uh, go to, you know, and, and going backwards and forwards through the pages, it wasn't very consistent. So, um, but on the whole, what would I like to see, you know, that uh, I, I would like to see just as much content being released, <laughs> which would be really cool. Um uh, you know, because you know, as a Star Wars devoted fan, like I'm not, I'm not hardcore Star Wars or anything. I absolutely love Star Wars, but I'm definitely not a uh, collect everything that absolutely is Star Wars. Um, the only reason I'm collecting, um, you know, the the West End games is because um, I sold our collection that we had from back in the you know late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, uh, that was. You know, through various circumstances that I, I just could not, um, I basically wasn't allowed to keep them. So um, now, um, you know, I have a lot more than what I used to have, uh, definitely. And I, and I love just, um, you know, 
even just opening them up and just having a browse through, uh, you know, some of the stuff that's in there. Uh, it's interesting. Um, there's not a dull moment when you you open up one. I do like the um, the guides, like the uh, Galaxy guides. I, I, I think Galaxy that, guides are really awesome. I think that would be really good because the main thing they've released has been each book on the different classes, and it is useful. They add all sorts of things in those guides. They are good, but I think that outside of Stronghold of the Alliance or Resistance, Stronghold of the Resistance, which covers. It is a really good book, that one. covers all the, you know, rebel bases. It's, it's, it's interesting. But apart from that sort of one, there's not a lot on planets and that, whereas I, I do like those older galaxy guides that sort of went into actual, a lot more on Cloud City and a lot more on Yavin and stuff like that that sort of gave us that, that sort of stuff. I think that would be really cool. Yep. And adventures. And adventures, yeah. I, I want adventures. Oh yes, the the galaxy guides. I think that you know, if anything, because um, uh, it's really you know without actually having to go and look on Wikipedia uh, to find out that information, it'd be really handy to have you know uh, planets for a start because yeah. there's so many. Yes, um, and there's you know, and there's more new ones. Be, uh, you know, we're seeing all the time. So uh, we need this information in. Um, uh, you know, galaxy guides because uh, when we get to uh, you know Bakura, for example, uh, in our last campaign, um, you know, how did we get the information on that planet? We had to go and look it up um, on the internet. Yes, through Wikipedia, and make judgment calls about um, you know. Uh, well, obviously, breathable atmosphere and uh, forests and all that sort of stuff, but uh, th- there's so much promise there, you know. It'll be because uh, characters can go, well, players can go, well, um, what kind of planet is this? And then you as a GM can go, well, uh, this is exactly what it is. So it sort of uh, it makes sense to. I think planets is a really big one. Mm. Um, uh, ships is another big one. Um, different ships would be really cool. Um, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the YT-1300, but I'd love to see, uh, I guess, more a, a dy- more dynamic range of ships, um, uh, like tramp freighters and, and things oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, the tramp freighter guide I thought was quite good. Yep. So the tramp freighter guide was good. Um criminal organizations that was a good guide um bounty hunters that was that was good um you know different aliens yeah basically anything (laughs) anything that's content yeah yeah and they're all hardcover too they're all hardcover it's been great that's what I mean. I'm really surprised at how good FFG's done this, but they moved all their RPG content to Edge Studios. All of it, not just Star Wars. All of it's gone there. Oh, adver- allies and adversaries. Mm-hmm. NPCs, all sorts of cool people. Although they sort <laughs> of, they did bring together, um, you know those cards I showed you? The NPC cards? A lot of them are in the book. Yes. 
Yes. A lot of them are in the book. Okay. So they did double content. I didn't mind it as much. The cards are designed... Um, I'm actually a big fan of these cards. I thought they were going to be a waste of money and kind of annoying. But they're actually good. And I found I used them. I've got a couple of packs to go still. Because what they're really good for... Like, this one has a boss agent, Black Core, Summiteur, Compnor agent, um, a mm-hmm. Navy officer, Death Star trooper, Death Star trooper officer, Death Trooper, IGRM series enforcer droid, Imperial Vehicle Corps, KX series enforcer droid, mechanic, uh, military informant, mouse droid, pilgrim, uh, fighter pilot, RA-7 droid, Stormtrooper Specialty Corps, Stormtrooper Specialty Corps, uh, so one Sand Trooper, one Shore Trooper, Solston um, Resistance Fighter, and a Beastie. So if you say, um, is there a mechanic there? I can go, oh yeah, actually I got one. And I know then yeah, I've got his stats. So if I need to roll, I've got it on the back. It tells me there's some info about them, what equipment they have, if they have any talents and abilities. You know, if you get into a... Yeah, they're good. Okay. Mostly sold out. But, okay, so I withdraw my comment about not having much. They've actually got a, a crap load of stuff. They, they're just adventures. They is And some, ex- like, things like the planets and that. A lot of lot of rule supplements and yeah. accessories. Yeah. Um, specialization decks, which would be pretty cool. Uh, that's actually a good idea, too. Um, um, I'm not overly sold on the rules supplements because uh, tends to I just from having a look uh, three new specs the entrepreneur, the performer and the marshal offer new ways of colonists to expand blah 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 while GMs and other players will find the new gear and setting information to bring their edge of empire to life their oh the edge of empire to life so there's the it it almost oh uh, I mean to me that sort of smacks of you know the, the, the you know bringing it to life it's you know your work to to get it <laughs> up and running as a GM. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not saying that's a, that bad things, um, uh, but there is a lot of work, as you know, um, as part of a GM. I mean, you can write stuff and and how, and then you know, the adventurers might not even. Um, you know, uh, go down that alley that you might have expected them to go down. No. That happens all... That can happen a lot too, like, depending on what the role ends up, you know, depending on what the player does with that advantage or disadvantage or, you know, you, you never know where the players are going to go with stuff. Yeah. So I apologise, FFG. You actually got a lot of content there. Yeah. It's just that... I, the area that's lacking is, I think, things like the planets, locations, and things like that, and adventures. So, um, they got a lot of content, but it would, would help definitely to have, uh, yeah, locations, tramp freighters. <laughs> Every, everyone loves having a freighter. 
you can't get your party around otherwise. No. So it, it's really a core, um, uh, a core thing, isn't it? Uh, sort of that in itself sort of makes sense to have a book dedicated to uh, freighters or you know different style of ships. Um, you know they don't even have to be a freighter; it could be a commercial uh, sort of style ship. Uh, anything basically that carries uh, more than uh, two or three crew. But why do they have to always be the YT series? Yeah, well, it shouldn't have to be the, always the white. That's that's my grievance. Nearly every game always does it. It's um, uh, the um, or well, the game that we were going to continue with uh, until we stopped it. Um, you were going to get um, something that wasn't even in the books, uh, which is a pretty pretty cool looking ship. The Gatrock? The I think oh, no, I don't think it was the Gatrock. It was a it was a funny looking ship. Like a half moon sort of shape. Hmm. I'll have to find it. Um, yeah, here we go. Galaxy Guides and Source Books. Planets of the Galaxy Volume 1. Of course. They didn't want to put in... It would it would have made sense to put in a... Uh, you know, like a, 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 a... Contents or index or something. Yep. Yeah, but there's a lot of planets in those books. See, a galaxy of a thousand thousand worlds. <laughs> so we're not seeing that, are we? No, we're not. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely not. Any closing thoughts? I'm actually, you know, uh, I, I guess not being the GM side of thing, and I've been more interested in trying to collect the West End games uh, books. I really haven't devoted to um looking at ffg books um uh, only because you have the books and you're the gm you know um if i was interested in doing running a ffg campaign i would you know it initially when i'm looking at the site i'm going well there's there's really not that many books until you actually dive down into the separate sections and then you go, well, holy crap, there's actually a lot there. So, you know, is this going to become another passion of mine? Yes, yes, it will. Because if you get them, the one thing I can tell you, the art is amazing. It oh, yes. So that's one of the things that we didn't raise before, you know, compared to the old, F, uh, you know, West End games. Oh, and actually, any role-playing game coming out of the, the 80s and 90s, you know, all hand-drawn, black and white, you know, images that were sometimes really gawky, not very, uh, you know, let's, let's face it, they probably didn't have the budget to, you know, uh, pay, you know, proper artists to do stuff. Now, I guess it's so much easier, you know, given the technology that we have. Um, uh, yeah, and I've seen the um, the main books, and they've got really good art in them. Yeah, they are. Oh, uh, they are so good. Like the Rise of the Separatists has, um, like, uh, it's either Commander Cody or Rex. Uh, blew me away. Absolutely unbelievable how good the art was. Mm. I'd buy them just for the art. But the old ones weren't bad. Oh. I mean, some of the black and white ones from the old were, were good. I wonder if, I wonder if, because there's there's so much that's not available on their site. I'm just curious to know if they're going to, um, you know, get stock in. 
I think that this is all in that transition phase with Edge 2. I think that's what's going on there as as, as part of it. All right. Like, I, I haven't had problems picking up anything from my local store. And, like, the cards I ordered, and they turned up, and they said out of stock, yeah. like, on the site. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's more a FFG site issue rather than, okay. than a supply to the... Um, yeah, yeah. Out, out, out to well, yeah. Okay. Well, well, as you know, you know, I bought Terranoth and I bought Genesis as well. Yes. Um, because uh, I intend to run a huge. Well, I would. I wouldn't say huge, but it. Uh, it. The campaign's big. Um. Uh, so I intend to run, uh, you know, a Terranoth campaign. Um. So that's why I bought the book. But now you got me interested to go and look for Taranoth on the site and see if there's any stuff that's tied in with that. <laughs> and I bet you there is. Uh, I've, I only see Heroes of Taranoth. They're cards. They're the, oh. they're the stat cards that I use for Star Wars. They have some for um, Terranoth. Um, oh, I think my closing thoughts were that... Uh, that uh, well, we initially started off with talking about D6. Um, I think D6 back in the day was really, uh, you know, almost a sort of a game changer, you know, especially for us as role players. It, it, it was fast paced, um, it, it, you know, even for all its clunkiness. Uh, it was a really good system and allowed, it, it allowed us to ex- actually explore uh, role playing a little bit more, especially in the Star Wars universe. And Star Wars is, you know, such a great role-playing game. It's such a a great, um, it's such a great genre. Um, and now that uh, you know FFG's, you know, jumped on it and and have started, uh, you know, releasing stuff for it. I think it's great that you know they found a system that I wouldn't say mimics, but well actually i can't even say mimics because it's not even remotely the same um (laughs) it 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 encourages um you know so much more narration of play so and i think for us as role players um uh, that's really important um i think if you had let's say uh star wars and you had a d20 based system I think we would just literally go, oh, you know, <laughs> we, we would probably, there is nothing more frustrating than, uh, you know, success and fail that way. Um, you know, when you're supposed to be trained at doing something and, um, uh, but I digress. Like if, if Star Wars was a D20 based system, I would probably go, I'm going to go back to the Star Wars D6 and use that because that is way more interesting um but the genesis role-playing system <laughs> i have to say is is so much better so I'm, I'm i'm really happy that they came up with that system yeah it's my favorite i'm, I'm absolutely in love with it and i can't wait to um use it in um, realms of terranoth and now i'm seeing stuff that i want to buy game master screens and 
Uh-huh. Denizens of Terranoth and foes of Terranoth mutant invasion. Okay, so uh, settle down. I've got to save my money. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed spending some time with us while we reminisced about where we began and where we are now. I'm Ghost. And I'm Raven Insane. May the Force be with you.